sharing our faith and passion for the Lord Jesus Christ with others is a desire of Zion Christian Fellowship. Our prayer is that this message will have a lasting impact on your life and draw you closer to the Lord Jesus Christ. This message is not copyrighted. You are free to make copies for friends and neighbors. We only ask that you copy it in its entirety without alterations or changes. Now unto the King Eternal, Immortal, Invisible, the only wise God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. Well, greetings in Jesus' name. Welcome to the house of God. I was refreshed this morning in thinking of that opening message on doing the thing that is necessary. Even though it's uh, painful, there's, there's suffering. It fits very well with my message, although mine is a bit different, but they are related in that without uh, suffering, we won't, uh, we won't gain the prize. I'd like for you to turn with me to the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 10. Deuteronomy chapter 10, we'll begin reading in verse 12. Now here we have the words of Moses. This is just an introduction to the message. In verse 12, Deuteronomy 10:12, And now, Israel, what doth the Lord thy God require of thee? But to fear the Lord thy God, to walk in all his ways, and to love him, and to serve the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul to keep the commandments of the Lord and his statutes which I command thee this day for thy good. Behold, the heaven and the heaven of heavens is the Lord's, thy God, the earth also with all that therein is. Only the Lord had a delight in thy fathers to love them, and he chose their seed after them, even you above all people as it is this day. Circumcise therefore the foreskin of your heart, and be no more stiff-necked. For the Lord your God is God of gods, the Lord of lords, a great God, a mighty and a terrible, which regardeth not persons, nor taketh reward. He doth execute the judgment of the fatherless and widow, and loveth the stranger in giving him food and raiment. Love ye therefore the stranger, for ye were strangers in the land of Egypt. Thou shalt fear the Lord thy God, him shalt thou serve, and to him shalt thou cleave and swear by his name. He is thy praise, and he is thy God, that hath done for thee these great and terrible things, which thine eyes have seen. 
Thy fathers went down into Egypt with threescore and ten persons, and now the Lord thy God hath made thee as the stars of heaven for multitude. Now, this is a very clear commandment of the Lord. What does the Lord require of his people? And this was uh, Moses speaking to the people of God, the people of Israel. And he said to love him, well, it says in, in verse 12, but to fear the Lord thy God, to walk in all his ways and to love him and to serve the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul, to keep the commandments of the Lord and his statutes, which I command thee this day for thy good. It was a form of a question there. What does the Lord require of you but all these things and it's for your good? The answer is yes. It's for your good. And you are to love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. And Jesus in the New Testament said that that is the first and great commandment. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul. Now that's a fairly plain commandment, but how has it been kept down through history? How has the church done in loving the Lord God with all the heart, soul, strength, and mind? Well, I'd like to speak this morning a message entitled, The King That Trusted in the Lord. The king that trusted in the Lord. And that is found uh, in several places, but we'll turn first to 2 Kings chapter 18. Second Kings chapter 18. Now it came to pass in the third year of Hoshea, son of Elah, king of Israel, that Hezekiah, the son of Ahaz, began, king of Judah, began to reign. Twenty and five years old was he when he began to reign, and he reigned twenty and nine years in Jerusalem. His mother's name also was Abby, the daughter of Zechariah. And he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord, according to all that David his father did. He removed the high places, and brake the images, and cut down the groves, and brake in pieces the brazen serpent that Moses had made. For unto those days the children of Israel did burn incense to it, and he called it Nehushtan. He trusted in the Lord God of Israel, so that after him was none like him among all the kings of Judah, nor any that were before him. For he clave to the Lord, and departed not from following him, but kept his commandments which the Lord commanded Moses. And the Lord was with him, and he prospered whithersoever he went forth, and he rebelled against the king of Assyria, and served him not. 
We'll stop reading there for, for now. But here he says that Hezekiah, this king who trusted the Lord, in verse 5, and in verse 6 it says, For he clave to the Lord and departed not from following him, but kept his commandments which the Lord commanded Moses. Now we just read that in Deuteronomy. The Lord commanded Moses these things, and Moses uh, conveyed that to the people. And we read it there, and I'm assuming that Hezekiah read those same passages. He had access to the law of Moses, the books of the law, and this is what he would have read. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul. And so, at the age of 25, Hezekiah set his heart to serve the Lord. Now let's consider the context here. Hezekiah's grandfather was King Uzziah. And King Uzziah, it says, was a good man who feared the Lord and served the Lord. And King Uzziah reigned for 52 years in the city of Jerusalem. Now if we back up a little farther, we find that after the reign of Saul and then David, in this passage it talks about David his father, which would have been some generations prior, but then you have Solomon, and after Solomon's reign, the kingdom was divided. Because of their uh, transgressions and rebellion against the Lord, and, and under the reign of uh, Rehoboam, it was divided. Rehoboam did not do what the Lord wanted him to. He did not heed counsel. The kingdom was divided, and Jeroboam began to reign over the ten kingdoms to the north. That was then called Israel. And while prior to that it had all been called Israel, but now the northern kingdoms were called Israel, and the king of Judah, which was the tribe of Judah and of Benjamin, but they were referred to as the kings of Judah. And they reigned in the city of Jerusalem. So King Uzziah had a long and prosperous reign. He was a righteous king and the people flourished. It was a great time in the kingdom of Judah. They feared the Lord. But toward the end of his reign, Uzziah did not do well. And he was... He got lifted up in his own mind and went to do incense in the temple of the Lord and God smote him with leprosy and he had leprosy until he died. The prophet Isaiah was a major figure in this time era and you'll find Isaiah talking much about these kings. If you remember in Isaiah chapter 6, Isaiah says, in the, care, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord high and lifted up. And this was a vision that Isaiah had probably very early in his ministry because he was prophet through 
at least uh, four kings following. When Uzziah died, his son Ahaz began to reign. And Ahaz did that which was wicked in the sight of the Lord. He was a very evil king. He began to do after the manner of Israel to the north, who had departed from the Lord. They began to worship other gods and to set up altars and burn incense to them and to make his children to pass through the fire. And he was a very wicked king. He only reigned, I believe it was 16 years. I don't recall exactly, but after he died, as in our text here in 2 Kings 18, that Hezekiah, the son of Ahaz, king of Judah, began to reign. He was 25 years old. And he may have recalled some of the history, at least, of his grandfather's reign, which would have been long before he was born and into the early years of his life, but it was a time of, of great uh, prosperity. Uzziah did great uh, marvelous works, and he was, he was a noted king, and things went well because Uzziah served the Lord. Now, Hezekiah probably read the, the history even farther and found that David, his father, was a man after God's own heart. And he would have read the Psalms and all the exploits of David as recorded in the Kings. And, and that, was his, that was his ancestry. That was his history. And now... Hezekiah is king of Judah. And what will he do in his reign? It doesn't tell us exactly what all led to this point in Hezekiah's life. But it is clear that from the beginning of his reign, Hezekiah set his heart to serve the Lord. And if there's one lesson we could draw from this is just that in the whole scope of history here that had gone prior, you had kind of the ebb and flow, if you will, of the life of Israel where they served the Lord and they prospered. They fell away into sin and serving idols. And then there was a bit of revival. But under Hezekiah, there was a great revival. And he set his heart to serve the Lord. It says, he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord according to all that David his father did. Now, we read that commandment in Deuteronomy chapter 10 and it's repeated in the New Testament. And I ask the question, so how has the church done in keeping that commandment? Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, soul, strength, and mind. And if we think back in the history of the church, we know that there are times in the church age 
There were times and places of revival. There were times when people turned their hearts back to the Lord. And we can perhaps even think of some in our own time. Times and places where the Spirit of God moved and there was great revival in the church. I'd like for us to just consider here Hezekiah, and we can make it personal for ourselves, even though it applies in a great measure to a church um, as we are building up the temple. Even the children heard that this morning, building up the temple. We come to church, we sing, we pray, we give our praise to God. That is part of building up the temple. Now there were things that Hezekiah did. We'll just note them quickly here. We may come back to them. But in verse 4 it describes a number of steps that Hezekiah took. He had revival by purging out what was wicked and what didn't work. And by didn't work, it was a violation of the commandment of God. They had set up images. They had built groves. And they even went so far as to take the brazen serpent, which had been a symbol of great blessing from the Lord, and began to worship it by burning incense. And when Hezekiah saw that, I don't know why Uzziah didn't do this, and maybe in his day they weren't really burning incense to it. I don't know, but, but here it had come through Uzziah and then Ahaz, who was a wicked king, and here it's Hezekiah's day, it's his generation, and he sees this abomination that they're worshiping this brazen serpent, and it says that he break it in pieces. And he called it Nehushtan, which simply means a piece of brass. That's all it is. It's a piece of brass. Don't worship it. Away with it. And he broke it up, cast it out. And it says he trusted in the Lord God of Israel. He trusted in the Lord God of Israel. And words would fail us to just unpack that small phrase. He trusted in the Lord God of Israel. He trusted in the Lord God like his father David did. He trusted in the Lord God, at least to some extent, perhaps like his father, grandfather um, Uzziah, but completely unlike his father Ahaz, where did he get this? He got it by reading the commandments of the Lord. He read Deuteronomy. He read where it said, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, soul, strength, and mind. And he decided to trust in that God. Hezekiah set his heart in his generation to serve the Lord. He did that which was right in the sight of the Lord. He trusted in the Lord God of Israel. Verse 5. 
Well, let's read further here in chapter 18. Verse 8. He smote the Philistines even unto Giza, into Gaza, and the borders thereof, from the tower of the watchman to the fenced city. And it came to pass in the fourth year of King Hezekiah, which was the seventh year of Hoshea, king of Elah, king of Israel, that Shalmaneser, king of Assyria, came up against Samaria and besieged it. And at the end of three years they took it, even in the sixth year of Hezekiah, that is, the ninth year of Hoshea, king of Israel, Samaria, was taken. And the king of Assyria did carry away Israel into, unto Assyria, and put them in Hala and in Habor, by the river of Gozan, in the cities of the Medes, because they obeyed not the voice of the Lord their God, but transgressed his covenant, and all that Moses, the servant of the Lord, commanded, and would not hear them, nor do them. So at this point in the history of the children of Israel, this divided kingdom, the northern kingdom that had departed from the Lord at a much more rapid pace than Judah did, and in this point in time when Hezekiah was king of Judah and and there was a revival there, the northern kingdom of Israel had yet rebelled against the Lord. They could read in Deuteronomy the same commandments of the Lord, but the Lord, but they did not obey it. And so here came the king of Assyria. He conquered the northern tribes and carried them away captive and so brought an end to the northern kingdom of Israel because they obeyed not the voice of the Lord. And this happened in the sixth year of Hezekiah. So Hezekiah could take note what the judgment of the Lord was for those who kept not the commandments. Now we move on in verse 13 here in chapter 18. Now in the fourteenth year of King Hezekiah did Sennacherib, king of Assyria, come up against all the fenced cities of Judah and took them. And Hezekiah, king of Judah, sent to the king of Assyria to Lachish, saying, I have offended, return from me. That which thou puttest on me will I bear. And the king of Assyria appointed unto Hezekiah, king of Judah, three hundred talents of silver and thirty talents of gold. And Hezekiah gave them all the silver that was found in the house of the Lord and in the treasures of the king's house. And so, uh, you had Sennacherib, king of Assyria, come up against Judah and all of the cities around about that region, he conquered them until he had come to the very major city there of Jerusalem where the king was in the kingdom, the center of the kingdom, and he besieged it. Now, prior to this siege, Hezekiah had offered to to pay tribute, which he did. But Sennacherib came and besieged the city, and they were going to take it. Now, what did Hezekiah do? 
Well, there were several things he did. And let's note from the scripture, if you go over to chapter 20, 2 Kings chapter 20 and verse 20, it kind of summarizes the end of his life. It says, And the rest of the acts of Hezekiah and all his might and how he made a pool and a conduit and brought water into the city, are they not written in the book of the Chronicles of the kings of Judah? And then it says, And Hezekiah slept with his fathers. But what I'm noting here in this account is the great things that Hezekiah did. He, it says he made a pool and a conduit and brought water into the city. Now let's turn over to Second Chronicles chapter 32. In 2 Chronicles chapter 32, we read of what Hezekiah did. But just to uh, break in here in the previous chapter in verse 21, speaking of Hezekiah, it says, And in every work that he began in the service of the house of God and in the law and in the commandments to seek his God, he did it with all his heart and prospered. Hezekiah was serving the Lord with all his heart. He did it with all his heart and prospered. Verse 32, I'm sorry, chapter 32, verse 1. After these things and the establishment thereof. Now what does he mean by the establishment thereof? Well, in the previous chapters there in Chronicles, it outlines many of the specific things that Hezekiah did. He had done away with the altars to the false gods and he had purged the land and he also began a true worship of God. He instituted, according to the law, the singers and the the priests and the the sanctifying of the place and and many things he went through and reestablished what had been in prior generations when they served the Lord. He even reestablished the observance of the Passover. So, after these things and the establishment thereof. So he had done all this reform and there was a great revival and he was serving the Lord with all his heart. And then here comes the king of Assyria. Sennacherib, king of Assyria, came and entered into Judah and camped against the fenced cities and thought to win them for himself. And when Hezekiah saw that Sennacherib was come and that he was purposed to fight against Jerusalem, he took counsel with his princes and his mighty men to stop the waters of the fountains which were without the city, and they did help him. So there was gathered much people together who stopped all the fountains and the brook that ran through the midst of the land, saying, Why should the king of Assyria come and find much water? Also he strengthened himself and built up all the wall that was broken and raised it up to the towers and another wall without and repaired Milo in the city of David and made darts and shields in abundance." 
Now, there is still evidence of some of these things that Hezekiah did, and they are indeed remarkable. As we visited there in Jerusalem, in the old city, there is a place in the Jewish quarter that they have excavated and found some of this wall of Hezekiah. It says here, he strengthened himself and built up all the wall that was broken. In another place it says there were portions of the wall that were broken down. And so he built them up as a fortification against the king of Assyria. It is said in the book of Isaiah, it says how they broke up the houses and built up the wall. So they took stones from within the city that houses had been constructed of, broke them down and used it to build and repair the wall, the fortification. The other thing that he did, which was even more astounding, is that he took the waters from the spring and diverted them back into the city. And we had the opportunity to travel through that tunnel. It's called Hezekiah's Tunnel. And what Hezekiah did, it's, I'll try to describe a little bit of the city of David. It was built on the side of a hill where the book Kidron runs down through a rather deep ravine, valley there. And the city, the modern day city of Jerusalem sits farther up the hill. But what was known as the city of David is now outside of the old city. And that's where David's palace was. And just below the palace and a little farther down on the side of the hill was the spring Gihon. That spring was there since the days of the Canaanites. And as we were able to tour this, it's now an archaeological site, and they pointed out some stones that were thought to have been built up by the Canaanites prior to the time that Israel came into the land. And... But what was in all these years that spring Gihon had been one of the main water sources for the city of David and the city of Jerusalem, the city of uh, the Jebusites prior to that, and the Canaanites had used it. It was a primary spring in the region. And it was what the city depended on for their water. But it was at the edge of the city, kind of on the side of the hill, and from that spring it flowed down into the valley and out through and on down into the country toward the Dead Sea or the Valley of uh, Jordan. So all the region round about there depended on this water. So when Hezekiah with his counselors, they took counsel and they decided to divert the waters of the spring Gihon. And what they did was they tunneled through the rocks. This was on the side of a mountain, and so they tunneled through the rock. And they started at either end. They started lower down the hill at the exit point and tunneled in from that side, and they started by the spring with another team. And they worked for some Time, it's thought perhaps months, that they tunneled through the rock. And it's over 1,700 feet of tunnel through the rock. And they, it was not a completely straight line. If you map it out today, it does some turns and curves. 
But this was all done in the day before GPS and uh, laser um, levels and all the modern uh, surveying equipment that would be used for tunneling. Somehow they calculated and they worked and they came together and they met and they rejoiced and they put in a plaque. They, they carved out a plaque which they put on the wall of the tunnel. It has since been removed and is in a museum, but the spring Gihon still discharges its waters into this tunnel. The tunnel exited at the Pool of Siloam, which was at the very lower end of the city of David, but it was within the walls. So two things were accomplished by what Hezekiah did. The first, he says here, in verse 4 of chapter 32, So there was gathered much people together who stopped all the fountains and the brook that ran through the midst of the land, saying, Why should the kings of Assyria come and find much water? So the encircling army of the Assyrians would have required a lot of water to sustain their army in their siege against Jerusalem. This being the main water source, Hezekiah cut that off. And they no longer had access. The invading army did not have access to the spring Gihon. It would require them to carry in much water from a great distance and so greatly hinder their siege. But secondly, it also supplied the city of David with an abundant water source. And so this large pool of Siloam. It was a very large pool, several acres in size. And it was a, an abundant supply of water. And today you can, as a tourist, you can go through Hezekiah's tunnel and the waters of Gihon are still flowing through it it's perhaps uh, anywhere from ankle to knee deep. And you're wading through water for about, a, what is it, a quarter, a third of a mile. And it's, it's about as, I mean, you're kind of brushing the sides of the rock, and it's about head height, and a taller person might need to duck in a good number of places, but it's, it's this channel of water, and it runs, oh, about... Uh, halfway to your knees through most of that um, most of that tunnel. And this is what Hezekiah did when the Assyrians came and laid siege against the city. Now here's what Hezekiah said further. We're in Second Chronicles chapter 32. Verse 6, And he set captains of war over the people and gathered them together to him in the street of the gate of the city and spake comfortably to them, saying, Be strong and courageous. Be not afraid nor dismayed for the king of Assyria, nor for all the multitude that is with him. For there be more with us than with him. With him is an arm of flesh, but with us is the Lord our God, 
to help us and to fight our battles. And the people rested themselves upon the words of Hezekiah, king of Judah. That's amazing. Comforting, encouraging words. God is with us. God is on our side. There's more with us than are on his side. He has come with the arm of flesh. Now, reading further, verse 9. After this did Sennacherib, king of Assyria, send his servants to Jerusalem, but he himself laid siege against Lachish and all his power with him. Unto Hezekiah, king of Judah, and unto all Judah that were at Jerusalem, saying, Thus saith Sennacherib, king of Assyria, Whereon do ye trust that ye abide in the siege in Jerusalem? Doth not Hezekiah persuade you to give over yourselves to die by famine and by thirst, saying, The Lord our God shall deliver us out of the hand of the king of Assyria? Hath not the same Hezekiah taken away his high places and his altars and commanded Judah and Jerusalem, saying, Ye shall worship before one altar and burn incense upon it? Know ye not what I and my fathers have done unto all the people of other lands? Were the gods of the nations of those lands any ways able to deliver their lands out of mine hand? Who was there among all the gods of those nations that my fathers utterly destroyed that could deliver his people out of mine hand, that your God should be able to deliver you out of mine hand? Now therefore, let not Hezekiah deceive you, nor persuade you on this manner, neither yet believe him, for no God of any nation or kingdom was able to deliver his people out of mine hand and out of the hand of my fathers. How much less shall your God deliver you out of mine hand? And his servants spake yet more against the Lord God and against his servant Hezekiah. He wrote also letters to rail on the Lord God of Israel and to speak against him, saying, As the gods of the nations of other lands have not delivered their people out of mine hand, so shall not the God of Hezekiah deliver his people out of mine hand. And so on. So here you have the city of Jerusalem besieged and in dire straits, except they have the Lord God on their side. Now God had given Hezekiah great skill and understanding and they were able to carve out this tunnel and secure water for the city and also deal a great blow against the besieging army. But yet the army was there and they were in dire straits. And here was the king of Assyria mocking, taunting, ridiculing them telling them not to trust in God, telling them it was vain to believe in God, and even speaking great blasphemy against God and against his people. Now let's turn back to the book of Kings where it records another detail. In 2 Kings chapter 18 was where we had read 
in in chapter 19. And verse 14, it says, And Hezekiah received the letter of the hand of the messengers and read it. And Hezekiah went up into the house of the Lord and spread it before the Lord. And Hezekiah prayed before the Lord and said, O Lord God of Israel, which dwellest between the cherubims, thou art the God, even thou alone, of all the kingdoms of the earth. Thou hast made heaven and earth. Lord, bow down thine ear and hear. Open, Lord, thine eyes and see. And hear the words of Sennacherib, which has sent him to reproach the living God. Of a truth, Lord, the kings of Assyria have destroyed the nations and their lands, and have cast their gods into the fire. For they were no gods, but the work of men's hands, wood and stone. Therefore they have destroyed them. Now therefore, O Lord our God, I beseech thee, save thou us out of his hand, that all the kingdoms of the earth may know that thou art the Lord God, even thou only. And God heard. God heard. And he rose up and took action. And the story goes on to tell us that the next morning, or during the night, the angel of the Lord came and smote the camp of the Assyrians, and 185,000 Assyrians died that night. And the king went back in shame, went back to his own country in Nineveh, And in due time, as he was in the house of his God, worshiping his sons, rose up and killed him, according to the word of the Lord. Now what lessons can we draw today from the king who trusted in God? Several things we already noted, and I'd just like to bring them to our attention again. Well, before I go into the details, let me just say that these things happened for an example for us. The scripture tells us that the things that happened to them were meant for our instruction, for our learning, and for our edification and even warning. And if we consider in our day, as, as Hezekiah came into his kingdom, he was coming into a time or, or rose up in a time when there was great apostasy. And we'd have to say in many ways in our generation there is a great apostasy, even among the people that call themselves Christians. The interesting thing in the account here of the northern kingdom of Israel, it was said that they served the Lord, I believe that was the words we used, they served the Lord and burned incense to other gods. 
somehow there was a strange mixture going on. They would not have said to themselves, I don't believe, they would have said that they had departed from God. But they had. They no longer kept the commandments of the Lord. They honored and revered other gods and burned incense to them and had lost a true fear of God and a reverence for his commandments and to keep them. And because of that, God judged them and drove them out. So here comes Hezekiah in such a day, and in all of that, he decided, and it does not detail all the things that led to his decisions and why he chose to serve the Lord, but I believe he went back to the commandments of the Lord. He went back to Deuteronomy, where it said, Moses' commandment was, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God. And somehow he looked around him and saw that that was not happening. And he decided to do something about it. And so he set his heart to serve the Lord. He went through the land and rid it of the altars and the incense, and he took away those things that had turned their hearts away to other gods. He purged the land. And then he set up the true worship of God. Isn't that what God calls us to do? If we think or consider that Assyria is a picture of this world, it is a picture of the world system, and even more specifically, in speaking about the end times and prophesying about it, the man of sin is sometimes referred to as the Assyrian. So looking ahead at our end time, whatever it is that God um, has prophesied is to come, he used the term the Assyrian. Speaking of Israel, that the Assyrian, when the Assyrian comes into the land, I will tread him down. It seems to clearly be speaking about the end time the Antichrist. And so Assyria is a picture of this world system, the end time system. But here it was in his day, that system that was about to swallow them up. They were about to die. Or so it seemed. Except that Hezekiah trusted God. And in that trusting God, he did several things. Number one, he purged the land of all its wickedness. And then he set up true worship of God. And then, after he had set up all these things, and one would have thought things were going well, but during those years as he was setting this up and getting it in order and building his kingdom and reestablishing worship of the true God, the northern kingdom was taken captive. and they, they were gone into captivity. He saw that judgment. 
And then a few, few years later, here comes the king of Assyria against Judah as well and besieged the city. And he found himself in a very difficult place. He didn't just sit by and do nothing either. He took action. He called men together and they strategized and they took counsel and they considered what ought to be done and they built that tunnel where they could divert the water away from the Assyrian army and into their own city for their own use and so establish a water supply that would last them for years in this siege. I'm not sure what... um, Sennacherib thought of all of that because he was taunting them that they would die of thirst. But Hezekiah trusted in God. And he kept the commandments of the Lord and obeyed. Now in our day, we are faced with, yes, we could say the world, but in an overt attack like from the king of Assyria, we think of, we think of the world coming in with force. But you have to remember that the apostasy that Israel fell into long before the king of Assyria came, it happened from the inside. They began to just relax and no longer follow or keep the commandments of the Lord. It began to look like they could serve the Lord and burn incense to other gods. And I think we face those same things today. We face encroachment uh, not just from an, an outward assault necessarily on the church, though that is there, but the tendency to slip away from within. But when Hezekiah came and there was revival, he purged out the things that had turned their hearts away from God. He restored true worship. And then he did some very major things. And you may think this a bit strange, but if I were to make a parallel today, I would, I would say that some of our choices in, in wanting to identify with Hezekiah, and maybe we don't put it in those words often, but I think we could well identify with Hezekiah. We say we want to serve the Lord. We want to love the Lord our God with all our heart. And we don't want to be in lukewarmness or slide away like the children of Israel did. What are we going to do against the onslaughts of the world? Well, I had to think of the simple thing of homeschooling. You may think that's strange, but if I look back at the history of the last um, 25 years, 30 years, in, and I'd just say particularly in our setting and in our 
experiences. That was a major work that we decided was important. We are going to have to do something to protect ourselves from the onslaught of the world, if you will, and the siege that the world has placed against the church. It's important to establish something that will enable us to endure. And so we chose homeschooling to teach our children the fear of the Lord. Now there's many other things we could probably use that as an example for other things, but, but homeschooling is big. Because along with learning all of the particular things in, in life, we teach them the fear of the Lord. And we seek to shield them from that encroaching army, the besieging army, if you will, around Jerusalem. But I would note one last thing, that Hezekiah did not depend just on his um, building up the wall and just his digging a tunnel to secure water. He also trusted in the Lord. And when the difficulty came, he went to prayer. And he made an appeal to the God which dwells between the cherubims, the one who made heaven and earth. And he said, O Lord, save us. That was his prayer. And the same would be true for us. After we have done all we can to build the wall, make provisions, we've gone through revival, but we must pray and believe that God will save us. O Lord, hear us and save us. I'm sure Hezekiah knew well the verses in Psalms where it says that except the Lord build a house, they labor in vain that build it. Except the Lord keep the city, the watchman waketh but in vain. And so he trusted that the Lord would hear and would save. And the Lord said, I have heard, and I am coming to save you. And by the word of the Lord, through the prophet Isaiah, Isaiah spoke uh, comfort to Hezekiah. He told Hezekiah what the judgment would be upon the uh, Syrian army and, and that they should not fear. And so Hezekiah trusted the Lord and he prayed and he made his appeal to God and God said, I have heard and I have come. And he said, I will save you because of my great mercy. And he said, I will save you for my name's sake and for my servant David's sake. I will save you. Don't we have a cause in our day to rise up and pray and seek the Lord's face and say, Lord, save us. And take some example from Hezekiah. I think I'll close with that. Lord bless.